Welcome back, everyone, to Sex and Couples Therapy with the Happy Ending Therapist. I'm Donna Harris-Richards, licensed independent clinical social worker and certified sex therapist. And I am here today with my lovely producer, Vicki. And we are going to be talking about igniting the fire of desire, romance, intimacy, and sex in relationships. And I would like to state my mission, which is to help people embrace sex-positive thinking and attitudes into daily life for optimal health, which includes sexual health. We go to annual mammograms, pelvic exams, and prostate exams for sexual health. We owe it to ourselves to check up on the emotional and mental health aspects of sexual health for sexual health and well-being to increase pleasure, play, and passion in our lives. And we want to give a shout out to all the folks all over the world who are now listening. We've got folks listening in from the UAE, United Arab Emirates. Shout out to them and to folks in Greece. And uh, let me say hello to Vicky. And Vicky, you can tell them where else folks are listening from. How are you, Vic? Hello. I'm good. No, we're so excited. We have um, folks listening in from Australia and we have some close by to our neighbors up north in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have some, you know, in Algeria and, you know, all those wonderful European countries are starting to come through. Mm. So we're really welcome, everybody. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're welcome. And thanks to Vicky and all my crew here. Um, we're making it work and, and getting the word out about sexual health and well-being. So absolutely very exciting. Very exciting. So how have you been? What's been going on with you, my dear? I have been pretty good. Been pretty good. good. Things are things are doing well. Um, I'm slowly making my way through my stack of um, books that I'm really interested in reading. And then I just ordered a new book. So I'm very excited about oh, it. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Great. Yeah. Great. How about you? Uh, I'm doing really good. I mean, I'm, I'm healthy. Knock wood. You're healthy, right? Happy and healthy. Good, yeah. I'm healthy. And uh, I'm a little late in coming to the table with this one, but I've started reading Michelle Obama's book. Um, Ooh. Oh, and boy, it's a, you know, it's, she's yeah, great. She is just so down to earth. And so it's so interesting. She draws these great kind of interesting uh, illustrations. You know, you're reading about her and her, in her new house being outside the White House and how odd that is now in comparison to how her life was. And yeah, I'm really excited about getting, getting deeper into it. So she's great. I love her. She's, she's quite a, uh, an inspiring human being. She is. I remember I, I was reading something. She was talking about raising her daughters in the white house Mm. and how she would, you know, really, it was really important to her that they had normal experiences you know even if it were just like a couple experiences Mm. and she was on one of the talk shows talking about how their oldest daughter malia when malia learned how to drive it was a secret service agent that taught her how to drive Mm. and like the different tactics that they taught her and the first thing they taught her to do was basically floor it or something (laughs) and then make her like stop on a dime wow and what watching her tell that story was pretty cool oh neat neat yeah Yeah. so what a family (laughs) what what a interesting bunch of folks and and yeah, yeah, I'm really enjoying the book. And I'll be probably reading uh, Barack's book. And I saw him interviewed and it was very funny. I don't know if I talked about this in another podcast, but, you know, he's so self-deprecating. And he said, well, you know, her book came out first and it's doing so well that I don't think I can ever match that. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it's kind of like, yeah, go woman power. (laughs) Absolutely. So, um, yeah. So shall we jump into how to uh, ignite the fire of desire? Yeah, I think let's, let's jump right in. Cool. So today is, is this, um, it's going to be lots of ideas about what is helpful, like very concretely, you know, strategies for men, strategies for women, you know, ideas to take with you. Very, very, um, again, concrete. Uh, and what I wanted to start talking about first is the stuff that's not helpful uh, so that mm-hmm. so that people will understand, you know, maybe by comparison, what is helpful. Um, so, you know, as I as I think as I was thinking about doing this podcast with you today, Vicki, I was thinking about, you know, what is relationship? Right. So, you know, relationship is is work, but, you know, so is life. Right. Um, and and I think often about dental health. You know, it, it's it's a daily or twice daily process of brushing your teeth, flossing, water picking, mouth washing, etc. So, you know, if you want sexual health and relationship help, meaning it's going well, health, um, you know, it's the same idea. It's a, it's a daily process. I mean, if I didn't have to wake up every day and brush my teeth, I certainly would not. I don't know about you. Um, you know, it's two minutes out of my life or four minutes like total that <laughs> if I could get away with it, I would. But, you know, I can't get away with it. So not brushing teeth is is destructive or counterproductive, right? Um, Just like in relationship, you know, what is counterproductive? Um, You know, dismissing your partner, you know, name-calling, minimizing their existence, physical violence, putting your partner down, uh, acting impatiently, you know, ignoring, stonewalling, criticizing, defending, resenting, you know, all all of this leads to in the end, contempt, if there's too much of it over time. These are ideas from John Gottman and Julie Schwartz in The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. So, you know, when we just do what comes naturally, meaning that, you know, we put on our little tool belt, right, when we commit in a relationship, and if we don't have any tools in them or we have the wrong tools in the tool belt, it's not going to go well, right? So contempt, uh, there's this idea that that's sort of the death knell, you know, leading to an 81% chance of breakup or divorce. So I want to be able to help folks uh, before they get there, you know, with these four horsemen, the stonewalling, the criticizing, the defensiveness, um, and the resentment. Um, and, and, you know, my, my beautiful Dr. David Schnark says, <laughs> you know, the irony here is that if, if you want anxiety, you know, get into a relationship. And if you don't want anxiety, <laughs> don't do that because now, you know, don't get into the relationship. You know, there's this myth that relationships are the antidote to our discomfort in the world. And um, unexpectedly, they actually make us often more uncomfortable. So that's when folks end up coming in and saying to you, you know, it's not working out as I had anticipated. It's not going so well. And so my job is just to help folks put tools in their tool belt or the, or the right tools in their tool belt. Um and the problems are usually, you know, what I see coming in to the officer on telehealth now because of COVID, um, this idea that, you know, folks either emotionally withdraw or they sexually withdraw, um, one or the other. And so to, to be successful in relationships, we have to kind of do the opposite. And that's therapy, right? That's, that's just basic therapy, this idea that if whatever we're doing or however we're thinking isn't working, try something different. Try the opposite. Um, so we have to sort of develop accountability, put in effort, increase empathy, start to see things from your partner's eyes instead of seeing yourself through your partner's eyes. 
I think we talked about this before. This is a kind of a Schnarkian idea where, right? You remember this: the reflected sense of self versus the solid sense of self. And you know, this is. Right. I want people to also be gentle with themselves because these are things that develop over time. I mean, can we speed the process up by getting into therapy and practicing these tools? Yes, of course. Um, but if it doesn't happen immediately, you know, don't worry. You know, if you if you set your sights on it and you and we set it up like I help people with with homework, you know, between sessions, then we just get better at it a little bit more quickly. Um, so I just want to go back to this for a second. You know, this this solid sense of self is best, which is sort of honoring your own needs and wants while knowing your partner also has their own needs and wants, right? Um, I want folks to be curious, not furious with ourselves and our partner. And I'm going to get real specific, so don't worry. You know, Justin and I were talking about how sometimes being theoretical or conceptual isn't helpful. So we're not going to do that today. We're going to get down down in the dirt. We're going to get down to the nitty gritty, and I'm going to say, do this, don't do that, <laughs> right? Um so, so be curious, not furious, uh, though, is a, is, is a nice conceptual idea in that you want to be thinking about your relationship as a team, you know, not, not that you're enemies. And I think that's a slippery slope and that's a, a, a natural place where people get stuck. Um, well, cause people get defensive, right? So if you have a problem with your partner, you know, even if it's something small, it's not you against your partner, it's you and your partner together against the problem to try to like fix the problem together. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big, we're a team person. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I just think that's great. And I, and I think that that doesn't come naturally for people. Was that always natural for you or is that something that you developed, Vicki, over time, do you think? Um, I think it developed over time. And I think the older I got the more I realized what was important mm -hmm. because that's part of, you know, being in different relationships is like learning what's important to you as you grow as a person. Mm -hmm. Um, but growing up, we were always, my parents had, um, this phrase that they love to use. It was, and they'd be like, you know, you guys can hate us all you want, but you can, you're never going to hate each other. You know what I mean? Just joking with, cause I have two brothers, sure. um, with each other and, and the three of us were always a team uh, and we still are uh, a team. So it's always like, even in my relationship with my brothers, it's the three of us against whatever problem we're facing. Mm. It's never like the three of us actually against each other. Oh, that's great. So, um, that's great. I try to use those same I mean, you know, a romantic relationship, the way you handle it shouldn't really be that much different than a non-romantic relationship to me anyway, because I'm I feel I'm my most authentic self mm -hmm. across the board mm. and I shouldn't really be any different with certain things in a romantic relationship. But is that true across the board? Like, should you be different in a romantic relationship or is it just? Well, no, that's a great question. I, I think we should always be authentic. Um, I think we mm. should be taking healthy risks. I think we should yeah. be health, healthfully vulnerable. Um, and I, it's a little bit different with friends than with a significant other. And I'll, I'll say what I mean by that. But, but I also think that all of those, you know, those five elements um, apply. Mm. That, so those three I just mentioned, and then um, getting really good at managing conflict and having strong interpersonal communication. So yeah. one of the striking differences that just occurs to me now as you say that is that prioritizing the relationship with our significant other is one big difference, meaning that um, mm. you can't really prioritize everyone. So you might have a best friend or two best friends, 
Um, but I think when it comes to the day-to-day activities of daily living in your relationship with your partner, you want to always be running things by your partner first. Absolutely. So, right, that's a way in which a, a friendship might be different than your relationship with your significant other or your spouse. Um, and again, it's not, I, I, I want to just reiterate this idea or emphasize the idea that it's not like you're asking permission from your partner, but it, you're running stuff by them so that they're included in what's going on with you, right? So, hey, John, um, hubby of mine, <laughs> Sally, my best friend, wants to come over at three o'clock today. You know, is that cool with you? So that John's kind of aware of what's going on, especially if you're living together. Um, you know, and he can either say, well, you know, I got something going on at three and so I can't, uh, have her here or, um, gee, I thought we were doing something together at three or he could say, yeah, that sounds great. Thanks for letting me know. Right. So that's helping your partner feel important and that you think about them and, and all that. And I think, so that's a little bit different that you might do with your best friend if you're living with, with, with a partner. Right. Mm. Do Do you agree? No, I, no, I completely understand. I, um, communication, I over communicate in every relationship I have ever. That is my, I over communicate. So I I am the over communicator to make sure that the other person's okay, that they understand where I'm coming from, that they know why Mm -hmm. I either got upset about something or I feel a certain way because I never want to make anybody else feel uncomfortable because I'm so comfortable vocalizing exactly how I'm feeling. Yeah, but I think it's better (laughs) to err on the side of what you're doing than under communicating. I do too. I I really do too. So that is my, uh, that is my MO in every area of my life. Good for you. How did you get like that? I mean, that is, that is wonderful. I am the daughter of a social worker and a lawyer. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So the three of us, me and my brothers, we do that. We all do the same thing because we, we grew up in a household where we talked about our feelings Mm. and we, you know, if we had a problem we talked it out with each other or our parents or, mm. you know, we had a very vocal open household, which mm. um, I'm very thankful to have had. Mm. And uh, yeah, mm. I am. That is, that's me. Yeah. Well, open <laughs> and direct. And it also sounds like you, you probably learned how to be kind in your open and direct communication. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and I'm sure it wasn't. No, that's not to say that we didn't argue at times and, and get, right. <laughs> get a little heated. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I mean, it doesn't mean things go perfectly and probably far from it, you know, but but yeah. if you're keeping that in mind, you know, it, that ends up working for, for yourself because you get more bees with honey, right? You get you get people to listen if, if you start out with something good, you know, meaning, uh, for example, um, you know... I don't know what might an example be, uh, you know, expressing appreciation. I'm always wanting my couples to do that with each other because if we do that and we start with something like that, um, you know, I really love your cooking, my darling. It's so excellent. And uh, would you also make sure to wipe the pan when you're done or, or <laughs> fill it with water when you're finished because it's easier for me to clean? Right. As opposed to coming in with the, uh, you know, you always leave the pan full of food and, you know, it's really hard for me to clean. And I mean, that's fine, I suppose. But, you know, that's just not going to make for a very uh, productive interaction because you you can't get the other person to hear if you if you criticize or attack. 
Right. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, and so how do we do that? I mean, part of this is conceptual. We have to always be thinking about the best thing for the relationship, right? So do I want to be right or do I want to be happy? Um, you know, my mother always said, um, be kind and nice and wear clean underwear. Thank you, Mac. Thank you, Maxine. <laughs> You know, and so I think for, for yourself and myself, you know, we were raised by by people and we lived in families. I have two brothers, too. You have two brothers, you said? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah me too. Is one older, one younger? Or? I am oh, the, you're oldest. the oldest. Okay. Okay. And I'm the middle <laughs> child. Um, so, yeah, I just think when you're living in a family where this these are the messages being given, you know, it's a little bit easier as opposed to maybe coming from a family where that wasn't the case. And so we have to work a little bit harder. Um, I think so. Yeah. So I'm always keeping that in mind too. I really want to know how people were shaped and raised and, you know, and, and help them to develop those, those skills and tools. Um, so, you know, I think the, the other thing that makes a friendship different than a, a relationship with a significant other is sex and intimacy, right? Mm. So, you know, that's mm -hmm. the thing that sets relationships with our partners apart from all others. Um, and so then people end up showing up in, in you know, my practice here um, because of problems with emotional withdrawing, sexual withdrawing, as I mentioned, by one partner or another, you know, no matter what the gender identity or sexual identity, it doesn't matter. It's it's always kind of the same power dynamic. Right. So um, the idea is the same in that, you know, you're thinking about a win win for the relationship versus, you know, not not yourself only. Because if you're mm -hmm. thinking about yourself and you decide to prioritize yourself all the time, then that's probably not going to work in, in the relationship. Right. So, um, you know, it's not easy stuff. And then, again, the national average for couples to meet their goals is 16 sessions, sometimes less, sometimes more. I mean, sometimes it's long-term therapy based on a number of factors. Uh, but mostly I'm trying to sort of get people through and in and out and give them a skill set that they can take with them. Um, and then if they later on bump into another issue that they can't get through, they're always, you know, able to come back um, to whether it's myself or someone else who can help them with a very clear, uh, concrete and strategic process. So what I think it's good, too, I love when we talk about I love this podcast in general because I love that it really puts out there real life situations that people can be in or real life solutions to problems, because I feel Especially, you know, this past year, um, you know, alone, more and more people have been openly talking about mental health and how important it is to, mm. you know, go to therapy, that therapy really is for everyone. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you are weak and that you can't figure it out on your own. Mm. Like none of those things, those stigmas mm. that are attached to therapy, we're just trying to break them down each day mm. and continue to break them down you know, so that everyone knows therapy is available to you. Mm -hmm. There are wonderful professionals like Donna mm -hmm. here to help. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's a good thing. Thank you, Vicki. Yeah. And, you know, You're I welcome. want to encourage people to ask the therapist, you know, you can ask your therapist, is there any way that you do a sliding scale or have a discounted fee? You know, I'm a, I'm a student and I'm studying. Um, you know, I'm unemployed and I've fallen on financial hardship. You know, the therapist may say, may say no, but I think some some of there there are therapists out there who save a couple of spots for folks who can you know only afford a certain amount. I, I do that. 
Um, and, and that's a way also to be able to have folks who can't necessarily afford full fees have access to therapy. And this is really important, especially as you mentioned now that, you know, a lot of people are unemployed. Um, some folks have become sick and they're dealing with, with illness due to COVID or, or due to the fact that uh, elective surgeries have been shut down and folks can only, uh, you know, like I have a friend who just got her one eye done. She has cataracts, but she can't get the other eye done because it's elective. I mean, um, you know, people are just dealing with stress. People are alone. They're isolated. They're not in relationship. They're lonely. So, yeah, I mean, reach out, you know, and and if the therapist that you really want can't uh, accommodate, a, 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 you know, a, a lower fee scale or a discount, then, you know, perhaps they can recommend someone that takes your insurance. Absolutely. Um, and so I want people to really sort of be uh, their own advocate, if you will. You know, it doesn't hurt to ask. You know, all, all that the person can say is no. But if you don't ask, they don't know. They can't read your mind, right? Another concept of therapy. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so should we just kind of jump into the concrete stuff here? I think that'd be great. Good. So I have um, five strategies for success. And um, I'll tell you what they are, and then we'll go into depth, if that's okay. Um, so we've got some strategies for men in relationship, uh, which I also call more for men, how to get more for men. Uh, I've got strategies for women. So these are wins for women. Got a lot of alliterations here. Um, another alliteration. Uh, three, I on imagination. I know that's not the same, but... I thought that was kind of cute. <laughs> close, close enough. Close enough. Uh, another, my fourth element here, or my fourth strategy: focus on fun. Right, and the fifth strategy is give to get and get to give. And that ha this has to do with non-sexual intimacy as well as sexual intimacy. You know, when we talk about intimacy, we're talking about sex, and we're also talking about non-sexual activities enjoyed together. Um, you know, I'm always keeping in mind that women have a longer uh, arousal peak time, you know, for women, it's nine minutes to go from zero to full blast for men. It's only two. <laughs> so the non-sexual stuff, the date before the intimacy is, is, or before the sex is important, you know, yeah. the foreplay or the play, you know, this is, this is really important to be thinking about what, what your partner needs to slow down, calm down, feel desired not just for one's body but what but for you know one's mind and and the mm -hmm. company together and the experience and all that so so with strategies for men um first couple of things i will often recommend to men or young men is get yourself a florist and get yourself a jeweler um and in my <laughs> case get yourself a sommelier <laughs> <laughs> so they can give you advice about, you know, your your woman's uh, or your man's um, taste in flowers, jewelry and wine, perhaps. Uh, my husband now has taken to giving me my favorite bottle of wine for Christmas, which I love. Um, I love that. Yeah. But, you know. What is your favorite bottle of wine? Uh, right now, my favorite wine is Mayomi Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, oh it's really good. <laughs> The Pinot's good too, uh, but the Cab I I really love. Uh, I do love a good Cab. Yeah. I'm a red wine gal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good. Call us a Cab, would you? <laughs> uh, R R R. So you know, if you have a florist or or you know, 
a jeweler. And, you know, maybe it's not formally that. I mean, I don't want people to be thinking I'm only appealing to folks who are, you know, well-to-do or, or have money. I, I think anybody, anywhere, anytime can get to know what your partner's favorite flowers are, you know, what what her favorite jewelry is or his favorite jewelry is, you know, if you're in a relation, if you're a man in a relationship with a man, right? Um, you know, you want to, you want to be able to give that person what, what they appreciate and what they love. You know, if, if her favorite flowers are daisies or roses, keep that in mind. If you're not sure, cause you haven't asked and you know, there's a florist that she goes to, you can go in there and say, you know, uh, my wife has been in here or my girlfriend or my partner has been in here. And, you know, do you know her? <laughs> I don't know how you would do it, but you might sneakily just kind of go flower shopping with her one day um, and, you know, go find a florist or go to a store that sells flowers or a jewelry place, get to know, does she like silver? Does she like gold? Does she like hoops? Does she like studs? Right. I mean, then, then you're helping her to feel desired, uh, important special well it's also it's it's nice to know that not that everything needs to be materialistic right. you know but it it's nice to know that they that your partner notices those things that your partner notices or you know if you've said my favorite flowers are sunflowers mm-hmm. and then your you know then your partner just knows those things or recognizes those things because you've said that mm-hmm. it's just nice like oh they they remembered and it's just like a nice little Oh, <laughs> yeah. So this gets into the idea of active listening. Right. So if she says mm. that and you hear that and you're a guy, um, you know, write it down, take note, make a mental note. Um, and you don't even have to go buy her flowers necessarily. I've heard women clients say, you know, even if he drew me a picture of sunflowers or he sent me a text of my favorite flowers. Right. A, a, you pasted a picture in there or whatever. You know, it, it's the thought that counts. Right. So, yeah. Or if they see them like in the wild somewhere, if they're not with you and they yes. text you a picture like, oh, I saw, you know, I saw your favorite flower today. Yes. That small stuff means for me personally so much more than physically handing me something. Yeah. Yeah. Or even picking those wildflowers, right? You know, bringing one yeah. or two or three, you know, here, honey. Yeah. I thought of you. Um, yeah. So those are a couple of things to start with. Um, complimenting her. You know, not only complimenting her appearance, but complimenting her intelligence, her humor, her personality. You know, compliments really go a long way. Well, I think and they go. I know we're talking right now just for men, but I think they go both ways for for both people, too. You know? Oh, yeah, we're going to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. For, okay, for women, too. And, and <laughs> there's a specific strategy I think works for women that I'll talk about in a second. So yeah, compliments, um, you know, holding hands when, when walking is just a nice way to be connected, uh, sort of letting her know that you love her touch or, you know, you're wanting to just be, you know, connected. Um, of course, asking, asking for consent is always key when it comes to sex and intimacy. You can do that if you're you know, about to hold hands or you could take her hands or you might say, you know, if you're just getting to know her, may I hold your hand? May I take your hand? Um, or not, but um, <laughs> consent is important. And and it's always important. Yeah. The, and But the connecting is, is important, too. Right. So the holding hands, um, you know, some some maybe more greatly creative ones might be to read or write her a poem. 
you know, certainly reading her a poem is easier or sending her a poem. Uh, some, some of the great poets out there are Rumi, R-U-M-I, the love poet. Rumi's great. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, Pablo Neruda has some beautiful poetry. That's Pablo N-E-R-U-D-A. Um, Elizabeth Barrett Browning. You know, there's all these classic love poets out there where, you know, it's so easy now on the internet. I mean, I'm a pre-internet kind of person, right? I mean, <laughs> the internet only came to me in the, when I was in my 30s. So, you know, now it's just so easy to look something up, you know, romantic poetry on the Internet and copy and paste it and send it in a text or print it out and leave it at her place or give it to her in a card. It's just so easy. Or if you find a, um, even at a used bookstore, if you find a, you can find some really great ones at used bookstores. Once I found a... uh, Khalil Gibran. It was the sand and sea. He's my, he's my favorite, but, um, and it was actually somebody's and they had written notes to whoever they had given the book to within the book. Mm. And I didn't know that when I purchased it because I just grabbed it. It was like $2 and I I grabbed Mm. it. And then I got home and I went through it and I was like, there's notes all in this. This is amazing. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's like my favorite. Copy. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great yeah. idea. You could just buy a book of love poems and give it to your partner. Yeah, that's a great idea. Great idea. Um, you know, making and bringing your partner coffee in bed in the morning or, you know, during the day or whatnot. Uh, it's a way of showing that you're thinking of your partner. Um, kissing your partner, uh, like a greeting kiss, you know. Uh, when when you're either when they're coming home, you're coming home, or they are leaving the house. I just had a couple the other day say, you know, this has made a big difference. They are now kissing each other goodbye, kissing each other when they come home. Oh, yeah, it's just a lovely, quick, efficient way to show your partner that you want to connect with them. Yeah, it's so simple, right? It's the simplest things sometimes that make the most difference. Yeah, very meaningful. Simple but meaningful. Um, Cooking special dinners is a way a man can show his affection to his woman or his man. Um, You know, whatever that might be. Again, I I think I mentioned this before, but we are now uh, ordering from Italy in New York because we were going to go to Italy this year, but COVID got in the way of that. (laughs) So uh, I look for all the sale stuff, you know, the lesser expensive bottles of EVOO, extra virgin olive oil. And uh, (laughs) we ordered this really great jar of uh, pesto. Uh, We put it on our eggs the other day. It was really nice. Um, And other various Italian things that we have been able to sort of cook with and feel like, oh, you know, we're we're in Italy, but we're not. <laughs> so, you know, if you want to do something like that or just, you know, go to the grocery store and, you know, get some Italian stuff or Greek stuff or French stuff and you can make some special dinner. Or even if you just like to make chicken, you can say, this is my special chicken for you, honey. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, just calling your partner to say, I love you. I'm thinking of you. Calling is much better than texting. Um Texting is better than not texting, <laughs> you know, but, but talking is always best. Um, if your partner is at work and you're thinking of them, of course, a, a text is cool. Um, 
or an email or whatnot. Um, but calling is always good because then you're getting the inflection, the tone of voice, all that rich part of communication. Um, sharing of yourself when important things happen. So I find that oftentimes um, men think about certain things, but they don't necessarily say them out loud. So, uh, and women, this is talking about heterosexual relationships. Um, and, you know, even in same-sex relationships, if if there's a partner who tends to not talk as much and the other partner talks more, you know, I want the partner who talks more maybe to talk less and the one who talks less to talk more. So one of those things might be, you know, share what happened to you through throughout the day. Um, if something important happened or something funny happened or just, you know, what's going on? Because then your partner feels like they they are more connected to you or they know what's going on with you. And that's nice. Um, running things by each other. This is a really big one. Um, you know, for example, here's one that comes up all the time. Uh, two people have a plan, uh, you know, meaning the, the, the spouses or the committed partners have a plan. Just heard a story from a couple where, you know, there was a plan where they were going to go out to dinner and then suddenly one of their friends stopped by um, at where they worked. And suddenly, without telling their partner that plans were changing, they said, rather than me coming and picking you up, um, meet me and my friend at the restaurant down the street. This is pre-COVID, by the way. Um, and the partner got really upset because it wasn't run by her, meaning the partner didn't say, hey, you know, my best friend just stopped by work. How do you feel about me just, you know, meeting you at the restaurant rather than the plan we had to come pick you up? And that would give her, have given her the opportunity to say yay or nay and feel included, you know, versus minimized or out of the loop. Right. So running things by your partner. Again, you're not asking permission. You're just keeping your partner in the loop of information. It's really important to make your partner feel important. You know, again, simple but meaningful. Um, you know, other ideas I was thinking about, like reading a novel to each other. Uh, that's fun at night. You know, you could read a chapter. You know, if you're trying to figure out how to put more relational tools in your tool belt, um, this isn't a novel, it's a nonfiction, but this book called 101 Things I Wish I Knew When I Got Married oh. by Charlie and Linda Bloom, two therapists who, it's 101 chapters, very short chapters, <laughs> two to three pages each, but they essentially wrote the book on how to stay together through the most difficult event, which is the loss of their uh, adult child. Mm. Their child, I can't remember exactly the age, 18, 19, 20, 21, died in a car crash. Oh, that's awful. Oh, awful. Um, and, you know, those kinds of things can really uh, lead to difficulties in a marriage and, and you know, splitting up quite often. It's a very, mm -hmm. very hard thing to get through. So they wrote the book on how to stay together. Um, so that's an example of a nonfiction book you could read. You know, like he writes one chapter, she writes another chapter. I, I think it's a really fun fun read but you could read you know a novel to each other you know find something that each of you likes and just have fun with that um you do a crossword puzzle together uh eat dinner outside you can invite your partner um i think for men in heterosexual relationships with women to turn to your partner and say hey how would you like to go out on friday with me uh, or how would you like to stay in on friday with me and we'll light some candles and make some dinner 
just saying that, just like that, that quickly and efficiently with that kind of inflection, I see what happens for women in sessions is suddenly and automatically they smile because they're thinking, oh, you know, or they say that they're thinking, wow, that's really nice to hear that he's thinking of me. He wants to spend time with me. Um, so saying these things out loud, being open and direct and kind and loving, it's all important stuff. Um, take mm. a shower together if she likes. Um, you know, ask what she likes. Don't assume. And, uh, you know, if you say to her, well, honey, what would you like to do? And she says, whatever it is that she likes, great. You can do that. You know, if she says, I don't know. Um Tell her, okay, well, that's cool, but, you know, get back to me. If you think of something, let me know. <laughs> yeah. right, don't be mad that she doesn't know. Just say, all right, well, let me know, and I'll think about it too, and, you know, we'll come up with something together. Right, it's that classic, well, what do you want to do? Well, I don't know, what do you want to do? Well, I don't know, what do you want to do? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I really encourage folks to have ideas, be thinking about things. Don't be afraid to come up with something, even if your partner doesn't know. Um, you know, other ideas are surprising each other and acting spontaneously to increase dopamine. But very, very important also be planning dates and intimacy uh, to increase oxytocin. And people think that's very unsexy. But again, what's more unsexy than never having sex or never thinking about having sex? Right. I encourage it for sexual health. Absolutely. So strategies for women. Um, this list turned out to be a little shorter. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but uh, what I what I really encourage women to do is offer physical closeness to your man and in uh, heterosexual relationships, also in same-sex relationships, offer physical closeness to your woman. Um, you know, if mm -hmm. your woman is the kind of woman that really uh, loves skin-to-skin -skin contact, um, you know, sitting closely, you know, offer that up, right? This is the idea of giving to get. Um, act flirty with your partner. Be flirtatious. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, I think it's <laughs> fun. It makes things fun. Um, another idea is, you know, understand your partner feels close to you when being intimate. You know, like I see with heterosexual couples, right, that women often will say they feel objectified by their partner because, you know, all he wants is sex. So this is connected to some of these myths that, you know, men only want one thing. Um, you know, good girls don't, right? We're back to that idea. Right. So um, understand that your partner, if, if it's a man, feels close to you often, quite often with physical intimacy, skin-to-skin -skin contact. So he's likely not objectifying you. Uh, I mean, that mm. could be happening, but... You know, more often than not, what I see is men just want to feel close to their wives and they feel close to them or their partners by being sexual and by having physical intimacy. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you want that. You want to be, mm. you want that to be growing in the relationship. Um, you know, sexual role play, have fun. Uh, you know, come up with fun scenarios um, where you're role playing or being imaginative or creative with sex. Uh you know, put on a raincoat and don't have anything on underneath and your favorite <laughs> heels and, you know, sit on the couch when he comes home and, <laughs> yeah. and you know, unzip the coat. I don't know. It's, you know, just have have a good time. And be a little silly with it, too. You know, I think a lot of times it's OK to I think that point in general is it can be very nerve wracking for some people 
because it's really putting you out of your comfort zone. Mm. But I think that uh, just something to keep in mind for anybody that's like, well, I would love to, but I'm just so afraid to is mm. you and your partner just, you know, it's be silly. Have a good time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you can giggle about it if you need to, you know. Sure, and I think that comes back to sort of our vulnerabilities and our fears about rejection, you know. So if so, so remember, yeah. yeah, the other part of it too. So thanks for saying that, Vicky. That's great. The other part of it is if your partner is doing that, please be kind. You may not necessarily yeah. love what they're doing, but but just you know. Please don't make them feel bad. Please don't be sarcastic. Right. Don't say anything no. mean-spirited. Oh, my God, that would be awful. <laughs> yeah, don't say anything mean-spirited or hurtful. Just be nice, right? Like Maxine, yeah. my mom said, you know, be nice, be kind, and wear clean underwear. I mean, wear clean underwear. <laughs> <laughs> because if you get in a car accident, you know, yeah. you want to have clean underwear on. Right? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I know. Uh, so the other the other piece, a couple of things is expressing appreciation. So positive flooding is another phrase for this. You can say, you know, here's what I cherish about you, honey. It makes me happy when you do this or you say this. Um, it's very important to let your partner know for women. I want women to let their men know, let their women know um, what your partner is doing specifically that makes you happy, not just what makes you unhappy. This is key because then they'll know what to do. You know, if you're really happy when they dry the dishes after they wash them, I want you to say that. It makes me really happy when you dry those dishes after you wash them. Or it makes me really happy when I cook and you wash the dishes. And that's more of an argument Mm -hmm. for folks. Um, So can you? (laughs) That's how we do it. That's how you do it. In our house. But he, whoever cooks doesn't do the dishes. Whoever cooks doesn't do the dishes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So whoever cooks, the partner does the dishes. Yeah. So that's a fair division of labor, sounds like. Does that work for you in terms of yeah. division? Yeah. So that's really important. Very much. And that's another thing for men, by the by, and I'm not going to go on too long with all this because you can come to therapy and learn more. Um, but <laughs> but the, the fair division of labor is key. You know, when I'm hearing my wonderful men say, hmm, I realize that you know, when I lighten her load, she's happier and we have more intimacy or she's just happier and therefore we're all happier. Uh, that's a good thing. It's like that entire concept. Oh, maybe we should do a concept on the mental load. Have you heard of that? Tell me more. The mental load. Well, it, 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 it's a lot. I can really dive on into it, but we'll save that for another day. All right, I'll interview you. <laughs> that's good. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. That's right. So it's not just the, the division of labor that's physical labor, but there's there's, you know, mental uh, stuff and worry and pressure and all of that. Um, so we want to we want to be able to help relieve that for our partner. Uh, and look, anxiety inhibits arousal. So if your partner's feeling mm. anxiety or overloaded or overwhelmed, you want to lighten their load. Yeah. Mentally, physically, et cetera. OK, so my third strategy here, shall I move on? Yes. Okay. Um, so keep your eye on imagination, right? Imagination really helps with relationships, sexuality, all of that. So um, can't travel or go out because of COVID-19? Well, you know, get creative and bring the world to you. You know, you could, as I alluded to before, you can order your favorite foods, you know, from Italy or Amazon or wherever and have a foreign experience right at home, right? We were also going to go to Greece this year. We couldn't do that. So, you know, we we do with our masks on and socially distancing, go up to the Greek store in Brockton 
Uh, it's called Athena International. And we go in there, we talk a little Greek, we get in and out real quick. Um, and <laughs> we bring those foods home and we cook them and we have a little mezadakia uh, for the Greeks out there. Um, it's really nice. Yeah. So you can bring all that kind of in, in to you and remember that, you know, as, as COVID, uh, as the situation gets better, um, we will be able to once again travel and do all the things that we're missing doing right now. So hang in there. Mm. Other things we can do, you know, and I'm sure Vicki, you've got things that, that you do, right? Um, you can watch travel shows and make your plans. You can dream. You can, you can start to think about, you know, again, planning, looking at photos, figuring out where you might want to go and when, research hotels, et cetera. You may never get there, but, you know, you'll have a lot of fun imagining and dreaming. You could also, if you have been on a trip that you loved, you could, uh, you know, if there was a meal that you had at whatever restaurant when you were on your trip that you really loved, you could always try to make it. Even if it ends up being mm -hmm. a food disaster, <laughs> you'll probably still have fun doing it. So <laughs> you'll have some laughs anyway. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that leads to our next uh, strategy of, you know, focusing on fun. Right. Um, this this is actually related to the win win. Um, and again, anxiety inhibits arousal. So help each other relax, feel pleasure, lighten up, reduce the pressure. So you can think, you know, pressure, no. Pleasure, yes. Focus yes. on fun. You know, don't don't take things so personally and and don't make assumptions. Uh I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but <clears throat> we have these really wonderful friends in New Jersey. Um, and when the COVID pandemic started, they went out, well, they didn't go out, they ordered uh cornhole. And they played cornhole in the living room. Do you know about cornhole? Yeah. Yes. So they start. I love a good game of cornhole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they started, you know. Also known as bago to some people. Oh. There, there's a debate whether it is cornhole or bago. Oh. That is the whole. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So, yeah, they were cornholing it. You know, so they were immediately turning to have fun. Um, yeah. You know, so this idea of don't take things personally, don't make assumptions. There are no guarantees in life. All we can do is live in the here and now. So, you know, why not have fun? And get present-oriented uh, and future-oriented, not past-oriented. You know, the past is over. So this is the here and now, um, and the present is a gift, right? I know it's sort of cheesy, but true. No, but it, yeah, it's true. And look, here's the other thing. You know, if whatever the problem is from the past isn't resolved, you can come to couples and sex therapy, and we can work through resolving it. Um, or you can say to your partner, look, I'm still thinking about this thing from the past. I'd like to kind of talk about it to resolve it so I can move forward. And and hopefully have your partner be open to that, you know, and have mm -hmm. them have empathy for you still hurting about it. They may not still be doing that thing now, but they can have empathy for any leftover feelings you might have. And then both people put in the effort to try to move forward, you know, and have some fun. Play some cornhole, right? <laughs> <laughs> or bago sorry <laughs> and then and then lastly my my fifth strategy here is you know giving to get and getting to give so this applies to non-sexual intimacy and sexual intimacy right so you know plan dates and have them spontaneously uh, plan sex and have it spontaneously do both for oxytocin and dopamine um, switch off uh, what each other likes to do and do, do that and take turns. 
Um, you know, I, I always tell couples, if you don't have children, please shoot for a minimum of one time a week of dating. Um, if, if you have children, you know, twice a month, every other week, minimally. Um, you know, when it comes to sex, there's so many things we can do to be giving to ourselves, giving to our partner. We can explore uh, what body parts turn us on in our partner, right? Um, and focus on that, explore smells that turn you on. Um, and sort of this is the idea of thinking about all of the ways that we're in balance, right? So physically, um, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, um, you know, do these things together, you know, be willing to, to again, give to your partner uh, in order to get, right? So lighten your partner's load or give your partner what they uh, enjoy sexually. Uh, mm -hmm. If your partner isn't telling you, uh, please partner, tell, <laughs> communicate, you know, how you like to be sexually satisfied. I know this is really awkward for people, but again, in the interest of sexual health, this is good for us. Um, I know that it plays into people's fear and, and shame and embarrassment and all of that. But I hear every day that, you know, partners want to know what turns their partner on. Um, and, and the best way to know that is to just ask and be kind and be gentle and soften up and, you know, say, I really want to please you. And if your partner says, I don't know, you know, say, okay, well, I get that, you know, so let me know when you know. And is there anything I can do to, to help you know? And also, if you are the partner that is receiving the feedback, be very cognizant of your self as your uh, your partner is telling you those things, right? So if, if your partner takes a lot for them to open up and say, I don't like it when you do this, but I do enjoy it when you do this, mm -hmm. don't get defensive. Don't take it like yes. be very cognizant that it took a lot for your partner to say those things mm -hmm. and say thank you and, you know, kind of make them comfortable because the more comfortable they are, the more they'll do those things for you. Yeah. And it's okay. Everybody's body is different. So if your woman says to you, I don't like my nipples touched, right? I mean, just to be that, that out there and direct yeah. about it, then, you know, be understanding. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah, what do you like touched? <laughs> you know? And if they say, I don't know, well, um, you know, that's when I can get into conversations with people about their, their sexual script and what goes on moment to moment. So, you know, I'll ask women, um, you know, when you're self-touching, what, what does turn you on? What, how do you like to be touched? Yeah. What body parts are, are more turned on in what ways, et cetera? Um, and, you know, there are some women who don't know, and, and that's okay. So it's a process of discovery and exploration. Um, and this is why I encourage self-touch and, and all of that stuff. Um, and the last thing is, you know, um, you know, wear nice things, right? So guys, you know, put on a clean t-shirt, uh, sweats are okay, but also wear something a little nicer, brush your teeth, take a shower, change your underwear. You know, you can, you can be comfortable and still have partner appeal at the same time. It just takes a little effort, but you know, look, I want you to look good. For your partner. And it doesn't mean uncomfortably, it just means you remember that you should always have that air of, you know, I still want my partner to want me. You know, it's easy to get into the relationship. It's not easy to keep it going. And these are the ways we keep it going. Yeah. I think we have a couple more minutes here. So if there's, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we wrapped up? Um, 
Well, uh, you know, for here's a here's a quick case example. Can I give that really quickly? Um, Absolutely. So here's an example of Elizabeth and Emily. Um, they just got a dog. Um, one wanted the dog, um, and the other one didn't necessarily originally. <laughs> but once they got the dog, you know, once once uh, Emily realized that it might be nice to be open to Elizabeth's influence, um, she's really enjoying it now. Um, and actually, interestingly, the one who wanted the dog um, refused to have the pet in bed or their other pets in bed. And and then they both <laughs> came to appreciate that. Um, so so both of them learned that if they're open, they might be surprised by what changes for them individually. You know, these are just kind yeah. of cool, cool ideas. Um, and and uh, one more example of, of Jen and Jack. So Jack is an emotional withdrawer. And that makes Jen feel upset, isolated, and lonely. So in session, um, Jen made a, a BCR or a behavior change request um, to have coffee for 20 minutes in the morning before Jack starts reading the paper. Um, and what ended up happening is it just created this lovely and wonderful feeling of being closer, which increased oxytocin. Um, and Jack is a sexual withdrawer, so that they agreed on a Thursday night to have a, a, make a date. Uh, with cocktails and strip poker. <laughs> and at last report, they were doing the cocktails uh, and laughing about the strip poker. They hadn't gotten to that yet, but they were they were having a good time and they were having more fun. Um, and it's okay yeah. that the strip poker didn't happen, but at least they're thinking about being sexy with each other, sexual. And so they're increasing both dopamine and oxytocin and things are going a lot better. So these are ways that, you know, again, real case examples where the stuff that I just talked about when people implement it and apply it, it really does work. Real case examples where the names have been changed to protect confidentiality. Thank you so much, Vicki. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Welcome. And if you're looking for kind of fun ways to, to you know, uh, inject more creativity, you can go to smittenkittenonline.com for some fun and safe sex toys. You can go to OMG Yes to learn more about the science of women's pleasure. You can buy yourself some Uber Lube, uh, the best lube on the market. Uh, 100% silicone based and very moisturizing, not drying. It's excellent. And it comes in a lovely little container that looks like a perfume bottle you can keep by your bedside. No one will know. <laughs> all right. So is that it all the time we have? I think so. All right. So thank you everyone for joining us, everyone around the world. Um, again, you can uh, find me. I'm Donna Harris Richards and thank you, Vicki, my lovely producer. Um, you can find me on Facebook at the Sex and Couples Therapist. On Instagram, look up the Happy Ending Therapist. You can call the office at 508-990-9909. And the website is www.sexandcouplestherapy.com. And remember, folks, always make time for pleasure, play, and passion. It's been so fun to be with you, and we'll see you next time. 